0: Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban Chapter 1 I will post Harry Potter was a highly unusual boy in many ways For one thing, he hated the summer holidays more than any other time of the year For another, he really wanted to do his homework But he was forced to do it in secret in the dead of night, and he also happened to be a wizard. It was nearly midnight, and he was lying on the fro- his front in bed, the blankets drawn right over his head like a tent. A torch in one hand and a large, bound leather, le- and a large leather-bound book, *A History of Magic* by Beaufield, a shop, propped open against the pillow. Harry moved to the tip of his eagle feather quill. Harry moved the tip of his eagle quiver <laughs> Harry moved the tip of his eagle feather quill down the page, frowning as he looked for something that could help write his essay, which, burning in the fourteenth century, was completely pointless. Disgust. The quill paused. At the lo- uh, uh, the-, uh, the quill paused at the top of a likely-looking paragraph. Harry pushed his round glasses up his nose, moved his torch close to the book, and read. Non-magical people, more commonly known as muggles, were particularly afraid of magic in medieval times, but not very good at recognising it. On the rare occasion that they did catch a real witch or wizard, burning had no effect whatsoever. The witch or wizard would perform a basic flame-freezing charm, then pretend to shriek in pain while enjoying a gentle tickling sensation. Indeed, Wendelin the Weird enjoyed being burnt so much that she allowed herself to be caught no fewer than forty-seven times in various disguises. Harry put his quill down. Uh, Harry put his coal between his teeth and reached underneath his pillow for his ink bottle and a roll of parchment. Slowly and very carefully, he unscrewed the ink bottle, dipped his quill into it, and began to write, pausing every now and then to listen. Because if any of the Dursleys had the scratching of his quill on their way to the bathroom, he probably found himself locked in a cupboard under the stairs for the rest of the summer. The Dursley family of Number Four, private tribe was the reason that Harry never enjoyed his summer holidays. Uncle Vernon, Aunt Petunia, and their son Dudley were Harry's only living relatives. They were Muggles, and they had been very—they had a very medieval attitude towards magic. Harry's dead parents, who had been a witch and a wizard for themse- themselves, were never mentioned under the Dursleys' roof. For years, Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon had hoped that if they had kept Harry as downtrodden as possible, they would be able to squash the magic out of him. To their fury, to their fury, they had been unsuccessful and now lived in terror of anyone finding out Harry had spent most of the past few years at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. The most the Dursleys could do these days was to lock Harry away Harry's spell books and wands, him and bruise at the start of the holidays and forbid him to talk to the neighbours. The separation from his spell books had been a real problem for Harry because his teachers at Hogwarts had given him a lot of holiday homework. One of the essays, a particularly nasty sh- one about shrinking potions, was for Harry's least favourite teacher, Professor Snape would be delighted to have any excuse to give Harry a detention for a month. Harry had therefore seized his chance in the first week of the holidays. Well, Uncle Vernon, Aunt Petunia and Dudley had gone out to the front garden to out Uncle Vernon's new company car and buried our voices so the rest of the street would notice it too. Harry had crept downstairs, picked the locker they covered under the stairs, grabbed some of his book, hid them in his bedroom and as long as they didn't leave spots of ink on these sheets, Durses would never know he'd been studying magic by night. He was keen to avoid trouble with his aunt and uncle at the moment, as they were already in a bad mood with him, or because he'd received a telephone call from a fellow wizard one week at the school holidays. Man Weasley, who was one of Harry's best friends at Hogwarts, came for a whole wizard family. This meant that he knew a lot of things Harry didn't, but he had never used a telephone before. Most luck- unluckily, it had been Uncle Vernon who answered the call. Vernon Dursley speaking. Harry, who happened to be in the room at the time, as he heard Ron's voice answer, Hello, hello, can you hear me? I want to talk to Harry Potter. Ron was yelling so loudly that Uncle Vernon jumped and held the receiver a foot away from his ear, staring at it with an expression of mingled fury and alarm. Who is this? he roared in the direction of the mouthpiece. Who are you? Ron Weasley, Ron bellowed back as he thought, as though he and Uncle Vernon were speaking from opposite ends of a football pitch. I'm a friend of Harry's from school. Uncle Vernon's small eyes shriveled round to Harry, who was rooted to the spot. There is no Harry Potter here, he roared, now holding the receiver arm, as though frightened at my explode. I don't know what school you're talking about. I don't know what school you're talking about. Never contact me again. Don't come near my family. And he threw the receiver back onto the phone as if dropping a poisonous spider. The row that followed had been one of the worst ever. How dare you give this number to people like people like you. Uncle Vernon had rot spraying Harry with spit and that's disgusting. <laughs> Ron obviously realised that he'd got Harry into trouble because he hadn't called again. Harry's other best friend from Hogwarts Hermione Granger hadn't been in touch either. Harry had, sus- Harry suspected that Ron had warned Hermione not to call, which was a pity because Hermione, the cleverest rich in Harry's year had muggle parents, knew perfectly well how to use a telephone and would probably have enough sense not to say that she went to Hogwarts. So Harry had, no, had had no word from any of his running friends for five long weeks. And this one would turn out to be the most as bad as the other one. There was just one very small improvement. After swearing he couldn't use letters to any of his friends. Harry had been allowed to let his owl Hedwig out at night. Uncle Vernon had given in because of the racket Hedwig had made if she was locked in a cage all the time. Harry finished writing about Wendell in the weird and paused to listen again. The silence in the dark house was broken only by distant grunting, snores of his enormous cousin Dudley. It must be very late. Harry's eyes were itching with tiredness. Perhaps he'd finish this essay tomorrow night. He placed the ink bottle, pulled an old case from under his bed, put the torch, a history of magic, his essay, quill and ink inside it, got out of bed and hid... The lot under a loose floorboard under his bed. Then he stood up, stretched and checked the time his luminous alarm clock on his bedside table. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. Harry's stomach gave a funny jump. He had been 13 years old without realising it for a whole hour. Yet another unusual thing about Harry was how little he looked forward to his birthdays. He'd never received a birthday card in his life. The Dursleys had completely ignored his last two birthdays, as he had no reason to suppose they would remember this time. Harry walked across the dark roof, past Hedwig's large empty cage, to an open window. He leant on the sill, the cold night air uh, pleasant on his face after a long time under the blankets. Hedwig had been absent for two nights now. Harry wasn't worried about her. She'd be gone this long before, but she hoped she'd be back soon. She was the only living creature in this house who didn't flinch at the sight of him. Harry knew though. Harry though still rather small and skinny for his age, had grown a few inches over the last year. His dark black hair was just as it had been, stubbornly untidy. Whatever he did, ha- whatever he did to it, the eyes behind his glasses were bright green, and his forehead, clearly visible through his hair, with thin scar, was a th- was a thin scar shaped like a bolt of lightning. Of all the unusual things about Harry. The scar was the most extraordinary of all, because it was not as the Dursleys had pretended for ten years—a souvenir of the car crash that had killed Harry's parents. Because Lily, Lily and James Potter had not died in the car crash, and he had been murdered—murdered murdered by the most feared dark wizard for a hundred years, Lord Voldemort. Harry had escaped from the same attack with nothing but a scar on his forehead, when Voldemort's curse, instead of killing him, had rebounded upon its originator. Barely alive, Voldemort had fled, but Harry had come face-to-face face with him since at Hogwarts, remembering their last meeting as he stood at the dark window. Harry had admitted, had to admit he was looking to even reached his thirtieth birthday. He scanned the starry sky for a sign of Frederick perhaps soaring back to him with dead mouth dangling from her beak, expecting prayers. Gazing absently over the roofs, he was a few seconds before Harry realised what he was seeing. Silhouetted against the golden moon and growing large every moment was a large, strangely lopsided creature and it was flapping in Harry's direction. He stood quite still, watching it sink lower and lower for a split second. he hesitated, put his hand out on the window ledge, wondering whether to turn it short. But then the bizarre creature soared st- over one of the street lamps of Privet Drive and Harry realised what it was, let aside, Realising what it was, let aside. Through the window sawed three owls, two of them holding up the third, which appeared to be unconscious. They landed with a soft slump on Harry's bed, and the middle owl, which was large and grey, keeled right over and lay motionless. There was a large packet tied to his legs. Harry recognised the unconscious owl at once. His name was Errol, and he belonged to the Weasley family. Harry dashed to the bed at once and tied the cords around Errol's leg, took off the parcel, and then carried Errol to Hedwig's cage. I wrote up in one bleary I gave a feeble hoot of thanks and began to thawed some water. <sighs> I returned back to the remaining hours. One of them, the large snowy white female, was his own Hedrick. She too was carrying parcel and looked extremely pleased with herself. She gave Harry an affectionate nip with her beak as he removed her burden, then flew across the room to join Ever. Harry didn't recognize the third owl, a handsome, tawny one. He knew where it must have come from because, in addition to a third parcel, it was carrying a letter bear in the Hogwarts crest. When Harry relieved the owl of its post, it ruffled its tethers importantly, stretched its wings, and took off, through the new window into the night. Harry sat down on his bed, grabbed a Rolls package, ripped off the brown paper and discovered a present wrapped in gold on his first ever birthday card, fingers fingers trembling slightly. He opened the envelope, two pieces of paper fell out, a letter and a newspaper cutting. The cutting had clearly come out of the wizarding newspaper of the Daily Prophet because The people in the black and white picture were moving. Harry picked up the cut and smoothed it out and read, Mystery of Magic employee scoops grand prize. Arthur Weasley, head of Misuse of Muggle Artifacts office at the Ministry of Magic, has won the annual Daily Graphic grand prize galleon draw. A delighted Mr Weasley told the girly prophet we will be spending the gold for a summer holiday in Egypt where our eldest son, Bill, works as a curse-breaker for Gringotts' wizarding bank. The Weasley family will be spending a month in Egypt, returning for the start of the new school year at Hogwarts, which five of the Weasley children currently attend. Harry scanned the moving photo and a grin spread across his face as he saw all nine of the Weasleys waving furiously at him, standing in front of the large pyramid. pyramid prom- Plump little Mrs. Weasley. Tall, balding Mr. Weasley. Six sons and one daughter. Although they were black and white, picture didn't show it with flaming red hair. Right in the middle of the picture was Ron, tall and gangling, with his pet rat scabbers on his shoulder and his arm round his little sister, Ginny. Harry couldn't think of anyone who deserved to win a large pile of gold more than the Weasleys, who were nice and extremely poor. He picked up Ron's item and unfolded it. Dear Harry, happy birthday. Look, I'm really sorry about the telephone call. I hope muggles don't give you a hard time. I asked Dad and he reckons I shouldn't have shouted. It's brilliant here in Egypt. Bill's taken us round all the tombs and you wouldn't believe the curses these old Egyptian wizards put on them. Harry wouldn't let Jimmy Ginny come into the last one. There were all these mutant skeletons in there of muggles who had broken in and gone out their heads and stuff. You wouldn't believe it when Dad won the deadly prophet draw. Seven hundred galleons. Both of it's gone on the holiday. But they're going to buy me a new wand for next year. Harry remembered only too well the occasion when Ron's old wand had snapped. It happened when the car, the two of them had been flying downwards. It crashed into a tree on the school grounds. We'll be back about a week before term starts. and we are going to London to get my wand and our new books. Any chance of meeting you there? Don't let the Noggles get you down. Try and come to London. Ron. Percy's head boy. He got the letter. Uh, sorry, P.S. Percy's headboy. he got the letter. Le- 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 he got the letter last week." Percy glanced at the photo, uh, Not Percy. Harry glanced back at the photo, Percy, who was in his seventeenth, seventh and final year at Hogwarts, was looking particularly smug. He had pinned his head boy badge to the fez, perched jauntily on the top of his neat hair with and glasses flashing the Egyptian sun. Harry now turned to his present and unwrapped it inside. It looked like a miniature glass spinning top. There was another, rope from, n- another note from drawn beneath it. Harry, this is a pocket sneaker scope. If there's something untrustworthy around it's supposed to light up and spin. Bill said it's rubbish sold for wizard tourists and isn't reliable because it let lighten up after dinner last night. But he didn't realise Fred and George had put beetles in a suit. I gone. Harry put the sneaker stop scarf on his bedside table where it stood quite still, balanced on its point, reflected in the luminous hands of its clock. He looked quite happy for it. he looked at it happily for a few seconds, then picked up the parcel he had brought. Inside it too was a wrapped parcel, a present a, a wrap present, a card and a letter, this time from Hermione drink sorry (sighs) dear Harry Ron wrote to me and told me about his phone call to your uncle Vernon I do hope you were all right I'm on holiday in France at the moment and I don't know how I was gonna send this to you what if they'd opened it at customs but then Hedwig turned up I think she wanted to make sure I got you something for your birthday for a change. I bought you a present by all order. There's an advertisement in the daily profit. I've been getting it delivered. It's so good to keep up with what's going on in the wizarding world. Did you see that picture of Ron and his family a week ago? I bet you've learned loads. I'm really jealous. The ancient Egyptian wizards were fascinating. Here's some, there's some interesting local history of witchcraft here too. I've rewritten my whole history of magic essay to include some of the things I've found out. I hope it's not too long. It's two rows apart from more mum and Ms. Professor Bin's asked for. Ron said he's going to be in London in the last week of the holidays. Can you make it? Will your uncle, uh, uncle and uncle let you come? I hope you can. If not, I'll see you at Hogwarts Express on September the first. Love from Hermione. P.S. Ron says Percy's head boy. I bet her Percy's really pleased. Ron doesn't seem too happy about it. Harry laughed again as he put on in his letters aside and picked up her present. It was heavy. No, Hermione, it was sure to be a large book full of difficult spells, but it wasn't. His heart gave a huge bound as he ripped back the paper and saw a sleek black leather case with silver words stamped across it: B- broomstick servicing kit. Wow, Hermione, Harry whispered, unzipping the case and locked inside. There was a large jar of Fleetwood high finished handle polish, a pair of gleaming silver tailoring clippers brass, a tiny brass compass to clip your broom onto for long journeys and a handful of do-it-yourself broom care. Apart from his friends, the only thing Harry missed about Hogwarts was Quidditch, the most popular school, sport in the magical world, highly dangerous, very exciting and played on broomsticks. Harry happened to be a very good Quidditch player. He had been the youngest in a century to be picked for one of the Hogwarts teams, one of Harry's most prized possessions was his numbers 2,000. He put the leather case aside and picked up his last parcel. He recognised the untidy skull and the brown paper at once. This was from Hagrid, the Hogwarts gamekeeper. He tore off the top layer of paper and glimpsed on green and leathery. Before he could wrap it on properly, the parcel gave a strange quiver. Whatever in it snapped loudly, as though it had jaws, Hagrid froze. He knew that Hagrid never sending like him something dangerous on person. But then again, Hagrid didn't have a normal personal view of what dangerous was. Hagrid had been known for to befriend giant spiders by vicious three-headed dogs from men and pubs and sneak illegal dragon eggs into his cabin. Harry pulled the parcel nervously. It snapped loudly again. Harry reached for the lamp on his bedside tip, but gripped it firmly in one hand and raised it over his head ready to strike. Then he pulled off the wrapping paper with his other hand and pulled and fell out a book. He had time to register its hands on a green cover emblazoned with a gold tail. The monster book of monsters. For it flipped onto its edge and scuttled ways along the side of the bed like some weird crap. Oh, oh! Harry muttered. The book toppled off the bed with a loud clunk and shuffled rapidly across the room. Harry followed it stealthily. The book was hiding in a dark space under his desk, praying that the desk face were fast asleep. Harry got down on his hands and knees and reached towards it. Ouch! The book snapped shut on his hand and then flapped past him, still scuttling on its cover. Harry scrambled around, threw himself forward, managed to flatten it, and then gave a loud scream, sleepy grunt from the room next door. Hildurgan and Errol watched interestedly as Harry clamped the struggling Bob tightly in his arms, rode to his chest of jars and pulled out a belt which he buckled tightly around it. The monster become monster shuddered angrily, but he could no longer flap and snap, so Harry threw it onto his bed and reached for Harry's card. Dear Harry, Harry does it. I think if I'm, you'll find this useful for next year. once not say no more there. Tell you when you see you. All the muggles are treating you well. All the best, Hagrid. If it doctor to Harry is ominous. That Hagrid thought a biting book would come in useful. But then he put Hagrid's cards. Next time I had and Run, Grinning more broadly than ever. Now there was only the letter from Hogwarts left. Noticing it was rather thicker than usual. Harry opened the envelope and first page apartment within, red. Mr. Potter, Dear Mr. Potter, please note that the new school year will begin on September the 1st. The Hogwarts Express will leave from Kings Cross Station, platform Land, 3 quarters, at 11 o'clock. The They are permitted to visit the village of Hogway, Hogsmeade on certain weekends. Please get the enclosed permission from your parent or guardian to sign. A list of the book of next year is enclosed. Yours sincerely, Professor M. McGonagall. If you, he had mi- mistress, Harry pulled out the hog, Hogmaid's permission form and looked at it. No longer grinning, it would be wonderful to visit Hogmaid's win- weekend. He knew it was entirely a wizarding village, but he never set foot in there. But how on earth was he going to persuade Uncle Vernon or Aunt Petunia to sign the form? He looked at the alarm clock. It was two o'clock in the morning. Decided that he'd worry about the Hogmaid's form when he woke up, Harry went back to bed and reached across the over another day the chart mess made for himself. Counting down the days. Left until his return to Hogwarts, then he took off his glasses, lay down, eyes open, facing his three cats. Extremely unusual, thought he was, though he was at that moment Harry Potter felt like just everyone else, glad to be for the first time in his life that it was his birthday.